0: In a world full of misery, rage, and insomnia, there's a place you can go to just unwind. All you have to do is take a long walk into the mountains, and just past the black house with the secret garden, you'll find a small cabin. Inside that cabin, you'll find the Hole in the Wall book club. So now that the dreamcatchers hung and the fire started we invite you to pull up a chair and join the Losers Club as we explore the world of plot-relevant flatulence and sharp-toothed butt weasels. Yeah. All right. Hello, and welcome to Hole in the Wall Book Club. Uh, damn it. I right, well, almost had it.
1: Yeah, okay, here's, I, start... I know. Here's the thing. I know that we dick around a lot here, but I have, I have things to say. Oh, okay. I, we haven't even finished the intro yet. No. You're intense this time. At, there, there's a lot to be said here. J- okay, so rapid fire. We're you know getting everybody caught up. This was the last chapter of the book. I'm icy. Oh yeah, I forgot. I'm I'm Mark, uh, as usual, the casual big putt putt. Here, Let's here do I it.
0: Am. Let's catch him up. Yeah. You're yeah. taking control. I'm gonna lean back and drink my yeah. coffee.
1: So the last chapter is uh, Shaft Twelve, and this was this this is after the you know preceding three chapters, which is the chase begins the chase continues and the chase ends which i would argue that maybe the chase did not end in the chase in <laughs> chapter but hey let's let's not split hairs here i i don't really know how to approach this chapter okay i i really, there's a lot to unpack here i i have i have a lot of notes i i legitimately have a lot of notes just on this one chapter
0: oh yeah oh yeah and this chapter uses a very similar structure to the last three chapters where we're basically jumping between essentially three groups of people. Mm-hmm. Jonesy and Gray, um, Kurtz, uh, Freddie and Pearl Mutter, and our Henry, Owen, and Donitz.
1: And I know I've said this probably in the last three episodes, but this is honestly, you know, we just have this episode and this in the end of the wrap up, so this could be like the last time I get to say this. Or, or maybe at most one more time. Pearl Mutter, great name. Great name. Just we're just putting it that great fucking name.
0: Yep. <laughs> so, and, you know, next episode, maybe the last time we get to talk about plot relevant flatulence as well.
1: I hope not. I I, hope I not, really yeah. hope not. I mean, it's just that and ass craters.
0: And I mean, what more do you want in life? I want a dream catcher, too. OK, <laughs> yeah. let's let's get into this. Let's figure out how to unwrap this shit.
1: Uh, all right. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, I have a lot going on here. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? I, it doesn't matter to me. Take over. Let's do this. Okay. So I, again, we're we're pretty much at Shaft Twelve. And, and again, if you're if you're not following along, which I don't know why you wouldn't be, but if you're not, the the entire point here is that Mr. Gray has a dog that has a Byram growing inside of it, and he wants to basically bring the dog uh, to this. Uh, the reservoir. Thank you. The yep. water reservoir. Because if he puts the dog in the water reservoir and the Byron is born and water, then it's gonna it's gonna do great. Yep. It's gonna it's gonna be like gonna a, be a red Christmas. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Like everyone's gonna have ash craters uh just in a in a mere matter it's like it's gonna be amazing. Yep. So that's his goal. But Mr. Gray actually crashes the car. Yeah. He crashes the car. Remember, it's like snowy as fuck. He crashes the car. I don't even remember what they're in. It doesn't it's like matter. A, it's a little it's like Subaru, a Subaru or something. Subaru. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He crashes in a ditch because it's snowy as fuck and they're in a hurry. They know they're being chased. And I really like this scene too because he crashes the car and his reaction to it is very, very human-like. Right. Like he's like saying slurs and, and all this stuff. Like he's using like beef slurs and, and things like that and again like you've seen this slow progression of mr Gray's character slowly become more and more human right and like this part is like super human oh, yeah like big time um which, which I really really appreciated and, and he also expressed a lot of fear of of Duttis. right like this is one of the big reasons why he wants to like get going here is that a, it's a, it's his imperative but he is like legitimately scared of yes. Yeah. This is the
0: first time that he's been fully like, oh shit, I might fail. Like, mm-hmm. he's been so overly confident this whole time. Be like, oh, you can hide in the office. I will get in there. And maybe not. Maybe you won't. And he's starting to see the possibility of failure.
1: Yeah. Which I, which I, again, I really, really liked as well. Uh, again, just the arrogance throughout the entire thing. And I thought this was good writing. Right. Because at some point, yeah, like arrogance is a thing, but they're also super intelligent. Right. So they, they would eventually at some point recognize like, okay, like my mission or my imperative is actually legitimately threatened now. I, right. So I, I just thought it was, a, it, it was, cause it, cause he could have written it in a very different way. Mm-hmm. Like he could have written it like he's arrogant all the way till the end. And I, I think a lot of like writers fall into that trap and it almost makes the, the, the villain not really believable. Right. Especially if they're portrayed as a super intelligent villain. Because part of intelligence is the is the ability to recognize threats and the ability to pivot or or change your plan if needed. That's that's part of intelligence, right? So at least yeah, my-
0: there there was this bit, and I don't remember if it was in this section or later on. But Gray is thinking to himself about like, "Oh, I found one more advantage of emotions. They make you plan ahead because you don't want to feel like shit." And consistently through this book, and I think you agree, the most interesting parts have been this cool Gray grasping emotions and interacting with human concepts. Like it has been really cool through those bits. Uh no,
1: okay. I totally agree with you. I, I have a lot to say about these sort of like um let, let, let's keep yeah. going because I, I have a lot to say about I, I found it very interesting that emotions are completely new mm-hmm. to them.
0: Okay, I think um, so cool. But yeah, in this bit, uh Grays crashed the car. So He's cussing. He ends up popping the uh, dog around his shoulders to start taking a walk, mm-hmm. and there was an interesting, like, very blatant Jesus imagery there, mm-hmm. which was uh interesting.
1: I thought it was good, though. I I like that. Yeah, I I don't really generally like things like that um inserted into into fiction, but I thought it was really it was done really well. So.
0: And then from there, we get a quick bit. Basically, uh, Kurtz and Freddy following along. Well, well, not just
1: and and Pearl Mommy, right? And so, Pearl Mutter.
0: And old yeah. Pearly Pearl Mommy. Uh, yeah. uh, he's not doing great. Not doing great. I,
1: I think that one of the things that really stuck, uh, stuck with me with this scene was how it, it literally is stated that the Byram awakened within him.
0: Yep. It opened like, its eye for the first time.
1: Oh, it's like the yeah. worst, the worst birthing story ever.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Old Pearly, he ain't long for this world.
1: Yeah, right. <sighs> uh, anyway, Curse also does bring up this concept to Freddy where he's like, hey, man, like, after this, like, we should just go, like, we, how do how does Mexico sound?
0: Right, right. I forgot that happened here.
1: Yeah, like, he brings up to him, and it's weird because it, it's presented here Is like a legitimate, like, hey, we should go to Mexico. Yep. After this. But like quickly later, this turns into like a a, a very weird thing where like Kurtz is like, oh yeah, I'm not bringing this motherfucker along.
0: Oh yeah, there's this bit where he's like, I'm real glad he doesn't have the telepathy anymore because he probably (laughs) thinks I'm going to kill him, but he can't be sure.
1: Yeah, right. Oh. Boy, did he fuck around with that. Oh, Um, he
0: fucked around and found out. Man.
1: Anything more on this one? No, let's keep going.
0: Okay, so we get Henry and Owen and Duddits for the first time in this chapter. And at some point in here, I can't remember if they're in the back seat together at this point, but Henry and Duddit, Duddit starts thinking to Henry. Um, there's this bit where Henry's seeing the inside of Goslins as a kid and he sees the like sign on the wall, the like limit um, calls to five minutes. Mm-hmm. And his lost names. Owen runs off the road and it kind of shakes him out of this. Yep. And he's trying to remember what that other sign said. And that's where we end this section. Him yep. real focused on what's this? What's that other sign saying? Yep. We also get that it's we know its isn't doing well, but yeah, he is on his absolute last legs at this point. Um, I believe he's coughing up blood. Yeah, there
1: I I think there there's no question here. I mean, there's a ton of
0: foreshadowing when done originally left the house. Is it called foreshadowing? If, uh, the, if one the character says he's going to die, um, himself <laughs> kind of off for me. So I wouldn't
1: feel him die. You know, this is going to be a huge sidebar, but there there's this really funny story, uh, or this like funny YouTube video that I saw a long time ago, or maybe it's from a show. I don't remember, but it was like how to tell if a chick's into you. And it's just this whole wrong thing and I, I know again, it's like this is a huge sidebar. but eventually like it's like, it's like a funny thing because guys are fucking oblivious. So it's like, yeah, if a chick says she wants to come back to your place, is she into you? Uh, no, she's probably just tired. Uh, she wants to rest for a bit before she goes home. she's not that into you. All right. so if a chick then you 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 get home and she and she like a chick wants you to like bring her up to your room. Is she into you? No, she's not really into you. She she probably just wants to see like if your room is clean or, or something like that. She's not into you. And then it's like, all right, like a chick takes her clothes off at that point. Is she into you? No, she's probably just hot. You know what I mean? Like She she needs to cool down. Anyway. She's going to check so, everybody. Right? <laughs> right. So this is going back to like, is it foreshadowing if they literally just straight up tell you he's going to die? Yeah, I'm going to say, say it's foreshadowing because there's a lot of gray area there. Not, you know, no pun intended with Mr. Gray. Uh, but yeah, it, you know, it's still up in the air if they tell you straight up that they're gonna die.
0: Okay, so I'll this say. this bit scene here increases the <laughs> foreshadowing of Duddit's death to like five, maybe six shadowing at this point. Yeah, right. Um, like he's got a bladder infection. It, things are bad.
1: Yeah. Uh, also, I, I want to point out here that duddit makes a point in this in this sort of scene, um, that no, you you need to call Jonesy now. Right. Like, you have to do it right now.
0: Yeah, I think this is when, like, after they run off the road, that's when Henry gets in the back seat.
1: Yep. Yep. And
0: then he goes back to Gosselin's, like, in the mine place, and he sees the other side and says, call Jonesy now.
1: And I think that's a combination of two things. I I think that the first thing is the fact that Duddit sort of knows that he's not going to be alive for much longer. And Mm -hmm. the second thing is they just literally don't have a lot of time. Right. Uh, I mean we're gonna see in the in the following scenes that it really just sort of comes down to the wire here.
0: so yeah I mean they they directly ask like Owen uh Owen and Henry directly asked that. it's like can we make it like can we stop gray and Dodge is like only Jones can mm-hmm. so yeah,
1: then I think after that, if you're ready to you move on by the way yeah yeah I think we we have some throwaway scene where basically just like Kurt's is close. um yeah, that's, gray that's gets to the shaft
0: house. Um, he finds that the door is locked smashes it with a window and finds a crowbar just start pulling back the uh, big old plate that we know is in the middle of the room because the Russian woman
1: which is again a very long and interesting scene Um, just randomly in the book
0: Uh, yep the pacing in this last section is pretty bad as someone who loves this book I will say the pacing in this last section is bad
1: but but I, I will give some credit here um And I will give some credit to where if you if you plan on referencing a random story multiple times, then give that story justice, which he did do. It just it still doesn't feel right. I, I don't know why Um it would have felt worse if he would have continuous, continuously referenced the story and didn't tell us a whole lot about it. Right. It's but. I- again like I none of it was needed I think is the problem
0: it wouldn't bother me if there weren't so many little bits in this last section where it's like okay that was neat but why like the whole right different radio hosts and how this comparison between like the shock jock who doesn't give a shit and the like sophisticated radio host and like where where did this come from why was this here and then immediately like hey big old diversion on talking about the president and like I, could you have just told me about the speech like do we really need this part that was interesting but really why was it he- like if it just been the Russian woman story and not these other diversions wouldn't have bothered me nearly as much
1: yeah and, and again I, I think it's a huge scoping issue right because like I, you know, and I know that we, we sort of disagree on this but when, when you take a book like The Stand ha- having a large scope makes sense right because again The Stand is essentially about the entire Well, it's really about the country, but it also sort of tangentially about the entire world because you know the virus spread throughout the entire world. So like those sort of side stories make sense in the context of that story. But it doesn't make sense here, where really the entire story has to do with like the Jefferson Tract and just literally a little bit of Maine, which we've already established in, I think, the previous episode or the episode before that. That Maine Isn't doesn't actually real.
0: exist. It's not real. Yep. No um, no one place has that many snowcats.
1: Right. No no one place has that many snow cats or that or that much bad shit going on. Maine is a manifestation of Stephen King in real life and it's it's mass hysteria at play. People Maybe are very Stephen worried King
0: is the turtle god and we're all <laughs> just his dreams. Dude,
1: this this is a whole side season that we're about to do. Bam! So based on, we're probably gonna disappear because Stephen King's gonna be on to us, and he's just gonna unimagine us out of existence. Oh yeah,
0: I don't yeah know. we're pretty memorable. I don't think he can stop thinking about us.
1: <sighs> yeah, that's true. Uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure he's talking to sponsors right now, be like, "Hey, th- these guys, they're they're kind of a big deal."
0: So anyway, if if Stephen King put a word in with Big Putt Putt, hey, say they, it would help
1: us out. It would. Stephen King, if you're listening, which I know you are.
0: Uh, in, I'm assuming he board. is there because we haven't gotten a cease and desist yet. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Stephen King's a pretty cool guy. If you're listening, come 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 hang out. We'll go to uh, Patterson's and get a JoJo Sunday.
1: Yeah, and I to think immediately that,
0: get diabetes.
1: Yeah, I think that a lot of our opinions are actually much in line with Stephen King's. Anyway,
0: well, I um, like this book and he does it, so that's the difference.
1: Well, I'm I well, I can't really talk about it until the wrap up about Fair. my my overall sort of review of it um you knocked your you knocked your camera over and now i can't function as a a yeah okay now we're back to normal now maybe everybody calm down no one worry uh the technical difficulties are being sort of sorted out right now it's kind of a big deal
0: holy shit did my color get significantly better from dropping my webcam it did i thought i was going crazy but yes it did yep I had this nasty blue haze the whole time. We didn't dicker about anything, so let's dicker about my camera. Uh, <laughs> right. I this, the thing that the audience can't see. I had this yeah, nasty know, blue right? haze. I knock the camera over, I pick it up, and boom. much better. This camera is still haunted a little bit.
1: Well, I think I, the audience needs to use their imagination a little bit,
0: you know? Made like... in Maine. Oh, I get it. No oh, shit. Uh, okay, it's, We're not ca- We're... it's not even a camera. Where are we? I I'm completely... The Shaft House, right. The Russian woman. That's
1: where we yeah, got correct. off track. So the the big next thing that we need to talk about is the actual call between right. Henry and Jonesy.
0: And we start this in Jonesy's perspective. What did you think of this scene? Because Jonesy is in his office and honestly, his brain is falling apart. I think at some point it's referred to as like the fall of the office of Jonesy.
1: Yeah, this. What do I think about this part? Wow, that's that's a good question. I don't, I don't really know. Like literally to be, I'm literally here to, the whole point of the podcast is to talk about how we feel about particular sections of each book and then the, the sort of the entirety of it. But I, I don't know if I'm ever going to know how I feel about this. It, it's this weird thing where they talk and they, they start talking about that and they're talking and they eventually, at some point they say, well, we're in the dream catcher and we always were. Right. Right. And I said last episode or the episode before I was like, my big fear about this book is I think that I'm going to, I think I'm going to finish it and not, and still not know what the fuck is going on. Mm -hmm. I was like, I I legitimately have a very big fear that that that's going to happen. And that is a hundred percent what happened. Like maybe I'm just too dumb. Like maybe, like maybe all of our listeners and readers of this book, they're like, dude, it's like super obvious. Like, why didn't you get this? Mm, Nope. I complete I don't get it at all. Like I, I don't understand like I I tried thinking about it a lot <laughs> like uh, like a lot. Uh and then it, it's tough it, I might muddle this scene with some some scenes that are about to happen, but at some point they start running along the dream catcher, the different threads of the dream catcher. Mm-hmm. And I was like uh okay, I'll just take that as a thing. Because it makes zero sense to me, like at all. Um, Okay. Okay.
0: So I completely agree with almost everything here. I honestly, I I have very complicated feelings about all of this. And it comes down to, I adore most of the imagery in it. I think that just the general imagery of like the office falling apart and such is awesome.
1: I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I enjoy some of the concepts that I think are happening here. Yep. I think Stephen King made the most muddied concept out of this. Like, in actuality. Like, he has his own characters seeming to continuously question what's happening in a way that seems to be just to confuse the reader.
1: Uh, Right. And this, this is going to be tough because I don't know how much I want to save for this episode or, or talk about in this episode and how much I want to save for the actual wrap up.
0: Okay, fair. fair. Um,
1: it, it, let, let's just keep going. If we, if we have no more to talk about this scene in particular, like let's just keep going and, right. like, and sort of see how it goes. We, have, we still have a lot left, right? So
0: Right, right.
1: So, so meanwhile, they're having this call. Mr. Gray has, like he gets to the actual like, hole right
0: From the shaft house and
1: right yeah, and yeah. He's, he's pretty much so distracted or, or focused really on on his mission he doesn't even realize that like jonesy left the office
0: yeah like there's a bit earlier where he wants to go to the office door and try to figure out what jonesy's doing but he's Keeping his full focus on making the Byram and the dog not wake up yet, and mm-hmm. I liked that—that distract, like the splitting of his focus, which we've seen throughout. Like, I do like these bits. Like, we've got some small elements that keep that have come back in a really cool way, mm-hmm. in a way that that uh, needful things didn't do. Like, yeah, in the um, like, yeah, we saw like magic and sleight of hand, but my god, even after seeing the end of it, I was like that. Doesn't even feel fair, dude. I
1: look here. Okay, well, about needful things. And this is gonna be quick because this is not what we're you know supposed to be talking about in this episode. But <laughs> I could probably do an entire part two of the wrap up of needful things. Yeah, I'm I'm so hurt <laughs> by it. Like emotionally, I might need therapy. It's like Steve came into
0: my house and killed my dog.
1: (laughs) No, he came into my house and he killed my spirit. And he implanted a Byram into my asshole. That's the problem. I will be living with the Byram for the rest of my life until Needful Things creates an ass creator of my soul. That's the problem. That's it. That's fucking it, man.
0: (laughs) So I'm going to bring it up as often as I can then. I want to keep that ass creator fresh.
1: Yeah. If I Like seriously, if I just had a chance, to sit down with Stephen King for one moment. I'd be like, hey, man, I love it. We have a whole podcast dedicated to you, man. Like, that's so cool. But what the fuck were you on at the end of Needful Things? Please tell me that. I read a lot of your literature, and I disagree with a lot of decisions you made. But Needful Things? You happy about that? Like, what? Are you, what's going on there?
0: I'm like, sorry. Please tell me. I know, Mark. I know for a fact you've read Needful Things. You know what he was on. <laughs> Actually, he was. <laughs> that's, that's true. Maybe that was the problem. Yeah, the central theme of Needful Things was essentially cocaine and how great it was. Yep. And this
1: was written right after Stephen King quit cocaine.
0: So he, <laughs> he was not the in the right place. <laughs> wasn't making the connections quite right yet. Yeah, right. Oh, God. So anyway. uh, where are we at? So go.
1: again, we we get another scene where uh, again we're talking about Henry sort of
0: running through the Dreamcatcher yeah, on his he's... on his own strand because he starts out in Goslin's and it, he we find out for sure, but it's definitely implied he like is in kid form. He's
1: mm-hmm.
0: he's a child at this point and He like runs through the private door in the back of Goslin's and he ends up getting to the hospital, um, Mass General. Yeah, and God, this this whole thing is broken up into so many bits. Um, let's see, we, we jump out of that. We see Kurtz and Freddie. Um, they pass the Subaru that um Gray left, and they hear some gunshots. Anything more on that one? I mean, we we sort of skimmed over a few things here.
1: Like, yeah, like he, like Henry's running along the dream catcher. Meanwhile, uh, Owen sort of goes off on his own. He 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 has to leave Henry and Duddits on the on their own yeah cause, like because he's like he doesn't really know what's going on but he's like i have to get, i have to go get shit done so he like blasts out the window because he's like well if kurt sees the sees them because there's already blood everywhere because like dud is like bleeding out from everywhere he's like so maybe they'll just think that like they got killed
0: yeah when Owen um, gets out of the car he looks at the back and he thinks they're dead for a second because there's like wrapped up hugging and not right. moving at all
1: and it, also like meanwhile, like Gray is like moving the lip of the sort of uh the manhole cover or whatever, which is incredibly yeah. powerful. And like Mr. Gray is like super upset that
0: is not in shape. He's yeah, like, damn it, man. He's like you sit here and you just do a job where you think and you barely even think because you're a fucking human. You didn't take care of your body, Not i didn't yeah. think I need your fucking body, you're shitty. Oh right. my god. He is pissed that yeah. Josie didn't work <laughs> so out. So mad. And this is after like riding Jonesy's body hard and putting it away wet for like a day and a half and puking oh, up a yeah. bunch of bacon. Yeah, he oh.
1: ate he ate like what like two packages of raw bacon. Oh yep. uh, God, I can't, I can't like cringe. I, I don't cringe. I remember exactly where again.
0: it happens. But, like he pops Jonesy's hip out of its sock. He breaks his hip again, I believe, at some point. Yeah. Time. No, right. He yeah, he completely breaks his hip again. Mm.
1: And like the, the pain is like uh like it's it's severe. Oh, like right.
0: That's in this note I have written down that says, Mr. Gray is having a bad time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Back at the car, um, when Owen, not when Owen, when uh, Kurtz and Freddie get there, the ruse works. They just walk, they walk, they look at the car, they see, uh, they look in the windows, see the two in the back, and think they're dead. Yep. And mm-hmm. they decide, like, uh, Kurtz almost pulls out a gun and shoots him, but it's like, eh, Owen's gonna hear that. He might not have heard the car.
1: Which again, I I really yeah like I I I like when we have just pure logical explanations for certain things. Like not everything has to be like a really weird or in depth sort of character analysis thing. Like no, makes sense. Yep. He I yeah, mean, he totally he totally would have killed him, but he's like, well this this could kill my element of surprise, so I'm not yeah, going to. Yeah.
0: He's pretty sure they're dead, and frankly, Kurtz is uh, an absolute egomaniac. <laughs> like it's consistently throughout this. So even if they were alive, I could see him just being like, you know what? I'll deal with them when I get back. There's no way they can stop me. Yep. You know. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. So then we have we we basically have Jonesy running through his own mind. Right. And this is at least for me, this is a really tough scene to to really explain. But basically, he's, he's running through his own mind, or uh, AKA the dream catcher here. And we, we have this huge reveal, right? So we have this huge reveal that Mr. Gray actually was never real. Right. Um, he was just basically a, a rendering of the human imagination. And this is exactly where I, A, thought, okay, that's interesting. I also now have a very, very big problem with this book. All right. For a few reasons. First of all, it's been said multiple times that the reason why Jonesy is unique is because he's immune to the virus, Mm -hmm. which now makes none of this make sense. Because let's, for a second, let's let's table this, this idea here that Mr. Gray was never real. Okay. Then the only thing that you're left with is the fact that the virus itself is what is actually causing sort of everything that's going on. Either that or the Byram or the consciousness of Mr. Gray, right? So we already know that he doesn't have a Byron He's immune to the virus. And now you're telling me that Mr. Gray isn't real at all. So what the fuck are we talking about?
0: And this is where I think, at least my interpretation of this ending, I think is really cool. I think... Stephen King did his normal Stephen King thing of muddying shit so much it's almost meaningless.
1: Oh yeah, no, no big time, because there's so much he- like the groundwork to this, and I'm gonna talk a lot more about this when we do the when we do the wrap up. I, I promise you, uh, we're gonna go a lot into this. There's so much good premise here, and man, you fucked it. Like you, I I really think that you did. You fucked this up because I I can't get past this point. And there's a there's some uh portion of this that makes sense. The reason why they look like the stereotypical alien, like gray and large sort of eyes and all that stuff, is because that's what humans believe aliens look like. So it's just again, like I said right here, it's a manifestation of your imagination. Right. Like, oh, there's an alien here. What does he look like? Well, he looks exactly like what your brain says he looks like. Right. So that part makes sense. But when you compare it to the rest of the narrative, it suddenly makes no sense at all. Like, I, again, I don't know what's happening anymore.
0: Okay. I am going to tell you my theory slash interpretation here. Okay? Okay. Yeah, let's cool. do it. So – Start first off, I'm going to start with, I think the dream, the dream catcher is this book's word for the shining, frankly, like it's, it's just okay. that simple. I think yeah. the thing that dream catcher is saying that other shining books aren't explicitly saying is that everyone is connected with the shining and this running along the dream catcher is running through connected minds. Okay. I think the virus is also connected to the shining and I don't think. Okay, the whole Mr. Gray isn't real, I think is only kind of a half-truth. I think Jonesy was never affected, but the virus, it basically tricked his mind into, I think it was exerting mental control over him, and the creation of, like, Gray, the personality of Gray was, it's, like, it and Jonesy's shit connecting. So if you, and once again, you kind of got to, like, for my theory on this, you kind of got to, like, push a little bit to the side. But, like, my whole <laughs> idea here is basically that the virus as a, like, collective conscious organism, the, the whole mold thing with these projections of shit, took over Jonesy by trapping him in his mind. And that, you know, him realizing he had control and that there was no virus in him was it allowed him to, like, push past that. So I think the Mr. Gray wasn't real is a like he was never infected, but he was still influenced by the virus.
1: Yeah, and and that's the part that just
0: doesn't sync well with me. And the, I think what I hate what I hate about this chapter and a little bit of the epilogue is the characters themselves discuss these concepts and continually question like. Jumping ahead to the epilogue, there's this bit where like they're talking about the whole Mister Gray isn't real, and Jones is like, so essentially, like, so did I just dissociate and kill a bunch of people? Like, am I a monster? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Henry basically gives this explanation of like, I mean, no, like in the same way that Duddits isn't a monster because we killed Fre- uh, Freddie Grinnet. What was his name? Was it Freddie? Yeah, Freddie. Were there two Freddies in this book?
1: Wait, what was the other? Oh, uh, no, I
0: thought his name was like
1: Richie, right? Richie, Richie,
0: there it is. Yeah, it's like it was like a it was like a focus of will and an outside control. But the characters are continually questioning this like is Gray real in a way that just I don't know if Stephen King knew, but this is the mm, this last chapter gets so fucking muddy, even within itself. Like within the is Mr. Gray real? This whole last chapter and epilogue, they constantly question that. While also presenting it as fact, and I I hate it.
1: Yeah, right. Like, and it, it's like I said, this this one sort of reveal, which I think happened like if just a few sentences. Mm-hmm. Like this sort of made this sort of made me be like, what? Like, I, and not in a good way. Like, I like I just couldn't conceptually because again, like you said, it is presented as fact. It's not presented as something that. Um, like Jones is saying, or anything like that. Like I think I it's presented as something Henry's saying, though. Yeah, like uh, I can't. Well, I can't remember exactly the context of it, but it is definitely presented to the reader
0: as factual knowledge that Mister Gray actually does not exist. Pretty much it, for me, if I take does not exist in a physical sense. Like if I think of it, just like
1: and then put and I well I I send this out to so I'm like well but because because. See now I have a huge now I have a huge plot, plot problem plot problem with when the military first got involved in this book where they went out and killed a bunch of the grays right like a bunch of these stereotypical aliens that were just like walking around on their craft spaceship didn't they do that all from the air though wasn't that Well they did this this is my problem though because none of them were infected or had any sort of direct interaction with the
0: virus yet but yet, that's what they were seeing. I mean, the cop so in the bathroom. Huge, Gray was able to control him and kill him with no bias. Fair, I, I that just, was total control.
1: It, no, you're right. But but I just I feel like there's too many holes here now. Like, okay, so that scene. So did none of those people
0: exist either? So what think, was the what was the point of that scene then? I think the whole thing is it's it's the it's the fungus itself. Is the thing that's spreading? Like, yeah, because there's, there's this bit near the end where, um, you know, we're getting way off in the weeds. You want to finish what's going on because I think the bottom <laughs> is going to go into the next episode. Yeah, that's fair. Let's
1: cool. let's, let's let's keep going. Ugh. Uh, okay. Uh, just a rendering of your imagination. That's the last thing that we, um, the right. last thing that we sort so, of talked about. So, wh- okay. So, Curse and Freddy gets to the Humvee, and I, I want to point out something, uh, here about this. Uh, well, yeah, they get to. the... What the Humvee that was Owens. And I think, like, Freddie checks it out. I, I think that's what's going on. And you you get this sort of, like, almost like a throwaway line that, like, Freddie's like, because Freddie goes to check it out. So Kurtz is behind him. Right. And, he, and he's like, you know what? I really don't like Kurtz being behind me. hmm Yep. I really don't like this guy behind me. You know, he has a sick feeling. He's like, if I turned around really quickly right now, was Kurt's like, would his handgun be like pointed at me or not? Like, yep. I don't really know.
0: Yep. And I think I this is like when this we, behind when we very close around this is when we start getting Kurt's like inner thoughts being like, God damn, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad he can't read my mind because I'm going to kill his ass. Yeah, right. And then you're, you're you're getting that and you're like, okay, yeah, Freddy, <laughs> you got some good instincts, buddy.
1: Because this guy might
0: be the singular most intelligent character in this book. Yeah, no, I, I'd go with you on that. Uh, yeah, but um, back inside the Mind Hospital, uh, yep. Jonesy and Henry meet up. And I want to point out, this is our first, and they're not even face-to-face, this is our first face-to-face in current time from these two characters in this yeah, entire book.
1: Right, in the entire, no, you're right, because we start the book out where, uh, what was it, Henry and Pete are are going to the store right. Right. And Josie and beave are out hunting. Yeah. Right? Like that's how the book starts. And it really is crazy. <clears throat> like this book is is what, like six, seven hundred
0: pages? somewhere around there, yeah.
1: And I, I I know I've commented on this before, but it, it, it is crazy to me. It's like six, seven hundred pages, but the entire book covers like two days, a two day days. and a half. Yeah. Right? Like it it's it's fucking wild when you think about yeah.
0: it. Yeah. Uh, um they meet up in the hospital room that we've seen before, but it is just covered in virus. And I bet, dear readers or dear readers, I bet, dear listeners, you cannot guess who's in that hospital bed. It, it's fucking gray. Of course, it's gray. It's actually Elvis
1: uh in the sex reverse.
0: Yep, um, that's yep.
1: actually who it is.
0: Yeah, uh, they put on glasses, grab a, pa- a, <laughs> <board> and, <laughs> a right. picture, and just have a good old friendly mind fuck. Yeah, right. Is what that's called.
1: Uh Anyway. So yeah, Mr. Gray's in here. And again, me, me when I was reading this, now I'm just like, okay, so we're gonna kill a figment of our imagination.
0: And this is the thing. If if you just lean into my theory that Gray is not physically enemy, he's not affected, but the virus is still projected and controlling him through through the telepathy. That's how I'm going to continue enjoying this.
1: Okay. I and I think that's a trauma response, right? where your, your brain is trying to define a different reality. Hey, so, I'm going to no. ruin
0: something for you real quick. <laughs> this ending better than the movie.
1: Oh my God.
0: It's going to be fun. Ugh. You've seen the movie too. Oh yeah. The movie is what I'm more familiar with. Oh, you, know,
1: you told me, you told me in a previous episode, you said the weird thing about this. I think you actually saw the movie before you saw, or before oh, yeah. you read the book. Oh, I and that's actually how you got to know what, what, the portrayal of what the biroom actually looked like.
0: Yep. Yep. I am so excited.
1: Again, I know we're
0: we're getting it's off on a tangent my, here, but it that's is what we My did. favorite Stephen King movie. That does not mean it's good.
1: So yeah, what was it like 25% on Rotten Tomatoes? Something uh, like that. I
0: checked it today. It is 28% exactly the same as Needful Things. Wow. We uh man, I think I think it's going up. Which is wild because it has Morgan Freeman
1: in it. Morgan Freeman is amazing. Which means that it really has to be
0: astonishingly terrible. Can't wait to talk about this. It's going to be great. Okay. So I'm going fa- to go kind of fat, like a little bit faster here. Cause we are going to run long on this one. Cause we ranted. Yeah. That's uh, what we do. That's what so we do here. We get this bit in this hospital room where they finally decide to directly confront the fell. The same, the, the in the standard way, you fight an alien invader. You hold a pillow over his bedridden face, and uh, yeah, this I do enjoy the killing blow. Like, okay, well,
1: we'm glad you
0: did. We've not touched on it much, but Jonesy's a big trait that's been coming up about Jonesy is his like obsession with movies, and there's been a lot of media stuff throughout this. Like even Pearlmutter when we first met him. Is like thinking about how he would like seen like frame this in a movie, and for the thing that actually finally kills Gray to be Jonesy breaking a remote control and then using the jagged plastic to slice Gray's throat while Henry uh, holds a pillow over his face, I enjoyed that. I thought it was a nice little touch. Um, I'm seeing from your face that you disagree.
1: I there's there's so much here, like. This is the main antagonist of the entire book. And he dies by someone holding a pillow over his head in a figment of someone's imagination hospital bed. Now, I want to be clear here. I honestly, this is really important. I'm okay with this ending because I think I think it's bad. I think that there could have been a lot, a lot more here that could have been inter- interesting, but it wasn't like needful things bad. Right, right. It wasn't beautiful things bad where I was actually offended to read the end of the book. Like, I was morally offended. Like, some law should exist where, <laughs> where that shouldn't be allowed.
0: Like You run for president. That's your entire Yeah, campaign. I don't
1: know why the Senate isn't talking about this
0: right now because that's offensive. Okay. If I am elected president, I will stop (laughs) shit from needful, like needful things from ever happening again. Nothing else. That is what I will do. Right. So it's not that level, but still like, I was just like, okay,
1: Stephen King, you could have handled, you could have handled this in a lot of different ways. And you, you just, I feel like you handled it, handled it in a very uninteresting way. Like it it has some poetic justice to it, I I guess, but again, I, I just,
0: I don't know. I agree with you about the ending as a whole. I like this particular scene because I felt like in the whole Jonesy having to realize he has control of his mind, I liked the simplicity of it. But I will agree yeah. is- on the ending of a whole. This is a standard Stephen King ending. <laughs> like, it's jer- well, Like There's good bits, but at- overall it's so muddy what's actually happening.
1: Yeah, it- <laughs> Because again, we've just established a few scenes earlier that Mr. Gray doesn't actually exist. And I hate that. I I, I really legitimately hate that one, that one little paragraph in this book fucks the entire book for me.
0: Yeah. Because
1: now there's so many things to me that doesn't make sense.
0: I will sit here in my trauma response and just decide it meant he wasn't physically infected.
1: Yeah. Like we're going to talk. I'm going to talk about this in more detail in the wrap up, mm-hmm. but fuck that paragraph. Yeah. like Remove it from the book. Like you need to rewrite it. Like fuck that part. A- anyway, let's keep going.
0: <laughs> so in the real world, while this is going on, these are interspersed scenes. Yeah. Um, Gray is, he's got the, the manhole cover off enough that he's trying to shove the dog through. Yep. And um, he's cussing at a dog. Cause it's almost dead body. Won't fit through the hole. He made. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. after the bit where they actually slice his throat, like he reaches up, feels this slice on his throat. And I do enjoy his last thoughts as a consciousness, as he's just like thinking through everything. And, and there's that bit where he's like, maybe I should have taken him up on that offer to go native. Maybe I should have done that.
1: Yeah. And there's, there's a part of me that, so I, I love sci-fi as well. And I've read a lot of like Isaac Asimov. And um, who who wrote like um, who wrote Ender's game? Uh, Orson Scott Card. Thank you. So I've read a lot of him as well. And there was a portion of me that was like, I, I wish like Orson Scott Card or Isaac Asimov would take it from here. <laughs> like, I wish there was an alternate sort of thing where he does take
0: them up on the offer. And there's a whole series. Give Philip K. Dick. I'd read that, Mister Gray, by Philip K. Dick. Mm. Did
1: seriously? And again, there's there's so much good premise here, which which I actually think that is wasted. I I, I legitimately do think that this concept is completely wasted uh, in this book, and I'm going to talk a lot more about that in the wrap up too, <laughs> in, in next episode. But yeah, so so yeah. Anyway, so you know, getting back to the to to the story here. Yeah, they essentially kill Mr. Gray. Uh Duddit's basically loses all connection. So like Henry and Jonesy are not connected anymore. Yeah.
0: They're doing all this through like Duddit's power, which is yeah. why I think the alien virus is projecting Mr. Gray. That's that's, that's right. My whole, I, I, I gotta stop. We gotta stop getting into that. Yeah. Um, so there Jonesy like gets control of his body back. Yep. And it's kind of a cool bit because like at first he feels nothing. And he's like, Did I die? And the thing that brings him back to reality is the piercing pain in his broken hip.
1: Yes, and uh, a new baby, Byron, being born. Yep. Very beautiful thing.
0: Uh, the dog didn't fit through, but that doesn't stop the big old shit weasel from dripping out of the butthole. Jesus Christ. So grabs it, tries to fling it across the room. And then we see Owen, who's at the window, just staring, completely frozen at how right. terrifying the scene it- is.
1: Right, it's important to note here, he's frozen with like a fucking MP5 in his hand. Yep. And honestly, I loved this scene. Like, I really liked it. Like, I actually really liked this scene where it's just like, because again, Owen has not seen anything like this before. Right. I mean, not even remotely like this. The only thing that he's seen is the fucking virus growing a little bit. That's just child's
0: play. Yeah. No craters there.
1: He's seeing like a plant grow. And now, he's seeing the fucking Byram, this fucking ass-eating weasel? Yep. He's like, what the fuck did I get myself into on this one? Like, Jesus yep.
0: And He's like, this, he's completely frozen. We get this bit from his perspective where he's even just thinking through, like, I, I, like, Jonesy's yelling at him to shoot it, and he's like, "Yeah, I am the last hope of humanity, and I can't move. Yeah, right. And then, we cut over to Henry and Dunnitz. And Henry's looking at Dunnitz and straight up thinks he's dead. He's like, he's he's done, that took it all out of him. And Dunnitz has one tiny bit of strength left in him, and he uses it to raise his finger up like a gun and go, we got some work to do now. Yeah. And we get like a nice sweet send-off scene where like the last thing he says is like that he loves Henry and then he dies.
1: Yeah, I, I thought this was, um, you know, th- this scene... Yeah, you know, for for me, the mark of a great book is any is is any book that
0: has an Elvis sex scene.
1: Well, that that's one thing. I mean, that's the first <laughs> thing I'm looking for. Like, if there's not an Elvis sex scene, I'm like, okay, well, you can't be great, yeah. right? But but maybe seven out of ten, Yeah, right, exactly. So, but but again, like, I, I'm I'm looking for sort of emotional connection or or emotional impact that the book may have. Like, if mm-hmm. I just read the book and I'm like, ah, oh, it's a good book, and it doesn't have an an emotional impact on me. I can't classify it as a great book. I may not even classify it as a good book, right? So, um, but this scene is 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 emotional, like when Duttis is finally dying. Um, it's, a, it's a tough scene to read, so.
0: Yeah. Um, I can't remember when we actually see Owen. Oh, right. Um, so,
1: I mean, yeah, eventually, um, uh, Owen essentially, at, at, after all this, Owen essentially shoots the Byron, which is really, like, High sort of intensity scene because he like, misses it first and he eventually gets it. Yeah, right?
0: he hears that Scooby Dooby Doo. We have some work to do now in his head and he feels his hands being lifted up to like raise yep. the rifle into position. And then he's like, oh shit, shoot and start shooting.
1: <laughs> yeah, he eventually gets it. Um, And then, and then, yeah, like uh, eventually Owen gets shot.
0: Yeah, yeah. Kurtz and Freddie are hiding in the trees. Yep. Um, There's this. Tense standoff between Owen and Jonesy, where Jonesy's like, You don't have any reason to believe me, but Gray's dead. We killed him in a hospital room in Massachusetts. He's gone. Mm -hmm. And Owen's like, Dude, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, but all right. I like Jonesy is just straight gone at this point. He's like, Kill me if you gotta. I really don't care.
1: Yeah, he's in like so much pain. He's been through so much shit. And he just watched like pretty much all of his best friends die. Except for Henry, and I don't even think he knows whether or not Henry is truly still alive. Right. But he knows that Beav and Pete are dead. Yep. Right?
0: I mean, and again, he this book watched happened. his body kill Pete.
1: Yeah, right. Exactly. And, and a lot of other people, too. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, he's pretty much like, whatever, fuck it. So Yeah.
0: So, Owen starts heading back and uh, gets shot by Kurtz. And, uh, man, Kurtz really shouldn't have taken the time to gloat. Like, no, puts a dunce cap on Owen yeah. made of like the newspaper about the alien invasion. Yeah. And, uh, Freddie blows his fucking head off. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Freddie kills him like, in, in a big way.
0: He goes um, out exactly the same way Ace Merrill did. Yeah. Exploded head from a, from a character shooting him from behind that he didn't think about. Yep. Yep. hundred percent. And Owen's like, what's up, Freddie? Freddie's like, yeah, he's going to kill me. Sorry. Okay." and you had to admit your misery and kills yeah. that one
1: which is and, a good scene so then and then Freddie goes back to the humvee
0: oh Freddie, freddy 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 he forgot about old pearl mother
1: who buddy yeah pearl mother um oh man
0: pearl mother is uh had a hard delivery sadly yeah. <laughs> he he he, did, he, he died he in, the, in the delivery room yeah
1: it's a, it's a sad thing cuz he gave, he gave birth to a beautiful baby byron
0: uh, uh, a baby Byron that gets to immediately feed when it latches onto Freddy's face and eats the shit out of him.
1: Yeah, and I, I want to point out here there, there's this whole fight scene, which we can't give any credit to. But but there's this this weird thing that Stephen King felt very adamant to, to put here where the Byron dropped into his lap and it, and it says tears off his plumbing.
0: Oh my so, god, so basically the
1: Byron it's completely unnecessary. The the Byram drops into his lap and basically eats his dick off.
0: Yep. Also, I will exclusively be referring to my downstairs bit as my plumbing <laughs> from now on. So <laughs> sorry to any of my future partners. I doctor.
1: This is so random, and I was just like, What well, of course this is here. Uh, because we haven't had a really super weird Scene involving genitalia yet in this in this uh, in this book, so yep. we have to have it at some point.
0: Toss it it's in. Very important with Stephen King book, right? So. Right near the end, got to get it in there. Yeah. Uh, so poor Freddie, he's dead. Um, Henry basically gets out of his Humvee, finds a gun, and then sh- ends up shooting the gas tank of the other Humvee to blow it up. I'm not yep. doing that scene justice. There's, I think it was actually a good scene where he's like looking at this last shit weasel, and he's like, "Oh, I'm fucking done." <laughs>
1: Yeah, th- there's a lot to be said about this. I mean, Henry sees basically the the Byram attack Freddy and, and and this whole scene. It, again, you just have to read it. Like like it's yeah. a it's a really good scene. And action scenes are really hard to talk about. They they really always are.
0: And then in the very last pages of the very last chapter of this book, so we still have the epilogue, but the very last chapter of this book, the very end of it, is when Henry Henry and Jonesy are in person for the first time in the book.
1: Right. Yep. right which i'm really glad like they, that they both survived i thought that was pretty cool
0: yeah so and then uh we've got our epilogue which i'm gonna propose that we save the epilogue for the wrap-up because frankly not much happens in the epilogue but they talk about a lot that i think is just going to be the shit we were ranting about earlier to talk about in the epilogue in the uh, wrap-up thoughts
1: uh we we can do that uh definitely i i do want to talk about just just quickly because i feel like we have a few minutes here um and i don't really feel like we need to talk about this in the wrap-up so i wrote the epilogue which we, we can talk more about in, in the wrap-up um but i also want to talk about the author's note at the end
0: i didn't actually read it oh you didn't okay I mean, well, well
1: you, well, you are a monster. Um, we should actually just cut here. Delete this entire episode. You have to, you have to restart from the beginning. So, one thing that I thought, and I generally wouldn't read this either, but actually, what I was, what I was hoping for was an apology for what <laughs> happened in the last, in the last part. But one thing that I thought was really cool, and and this is just, just sort of the romantic side of me, is that Stephen King talks about in the author's note that he was in a lot of pain. Um, when he wrote this book and he talks about how the original title of the book was cancer and his wife convinced him not, not to name it that mm-hmm. But one thing that I thought was really cool was that Stephen King sort of said that he, the, the actually the entire book was written in pen. Oh yeah. Pen and in paper. And, uh, and he even goes off to say like, yeah, there, there's actually one time we had a really bad storm and all the power went out. And, but I kept writing and I, I wrote, I wrote uh, a portion of this book uh, by Candlelight, like writing in pen by Candlelight. And I like, I just thought that was really cool. Like, I'm... Neat. Yeah, like, I just... Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I just thought that was really awesome. Like, when I read that, I was like, awesome, dude. Like, that's... I, like, I wish I could have just been a fly on the wall. Like, watching you write uh, under Candlelight. I'd be curious to know what part you wrote um, under <laughs> Candlelight. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, again, I just, it doesn't really have to do with the book or, or anything like that. I just, I just thought it was a really cool thing. So if you're, if you're reading the book and, and you haven't read, read the author's note, I would, I would suggest it. It's like two or three pages and I, I think it's pretty cool. So
0: I was glad to do this. And I do like this line uh, about his wife. Eventually I came around to her way of thinking and she no longer refers to it as that book or the one about the shit weasels. <laughs> right. Oh, so, good old Dabit the King.
1: Uh, again, just if you didn't read the author's note, you should.
0: Yeah, it's nice. really good. So, oh God,
1: we made it to the end. We made it to the end. So next episode, we are we're going to talk about the epilogue. We're going yep. to give our ultimate review of the book, and we're going to talk about the movie. So if you're following along here, you need to you need to watch the
0: movie before next episode. Oh, and you won't regret it whatsoever.
1: I. I like to keep my sort of expectations um, sort of in check, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So I've, when watching this movie, my expectation is sort of moderately going to be, this is the best movie movie that I've ever seen in my life,
0: really. I think that, um, yeah, if you don't want to get too overexcited and risk disappointing yourself, that's about the level you should set your, set your expectations. That, that's good, because that's where I'm at right now.
1: I'm that's like, I, I know... Like I've already ordered like the memorabilia. Oh, good, good, good. Um, I'm going to decorate my whole house just in Dreamcatcher movie posters and things like that. Because,
0: you know, I, just, I know this is going to be the best. Did you get the special edition one that comes with like the foil packet of virus you can drink?
1: Well, uh, yes and no. So I, I got that and I got the regular version because I, I really wanted to make sure that it could be played in, in any room of my house. So right. I, I sort of ordered multiple versions.
0: So, um, very important. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. Okay. You want to you want to take us on out of here, Mark? Oh, God. Oh, I forgot to do the wrap-up uh, or, the, or the the outro. Um, on, I, I, can, I can pace this off. We don't have fucking time for an outro. Get out of here. Match <laughs> yeah, right. The intro. Well,
1: we can actually say you've read the book. You've read the book. You're right. Yeah, you've read the book. Now go fucking watch the movie and then yeah. hear me rant about all the shit. Next episode.
0: Yeah. Hole in the Wall Book Club is a part of the Icy New Productions Network, and produced and edited by Anthony Sheets. The music in this episode is Supernatural Radio by Kevin McLeod. There'll be a link to his license and website in the show notes. If you want to get a hold of us, tweet us at Icy or send an email to icynewyear@gmail.com. at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to tell a friend, or leave us a review on your podcatcher of choice. Word of mouth and five-star reviews really help us get out in front of more people and let us expand and do more things. More information on the show can be found on iceneer.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.